Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome everyone to another episode of Continuing Mission, our look at the ways in which fans are keeping Star Trek alive. I'm your host, Christopher Jones, and the primary focus of this show is on the fan series, or as I prefer to call them, independent productions, that tell new stories set in the Star Trek universe. Many Star Trek fans are creative professionals, actors, writers, effects designers, many of whom worked on the shows that have graced our screens for the past five decades, and the work they're now producing out of their sheer love for Star Trek is absolutely amazing. We want to share this work with you through an inside look at the most vibrant fandom Hollywood has ever known. Along the way, we may also explore other ways that Star Trek is being constantly expanded through games, art, and more. This week, I'm joined by PropWorks founder Alec Peters, who is leading the production of Star Trek Axanar, a groundbreaking independent film that aims to prove that a studio doesn't need to spend millions of dollars to produce a feature-quality production. And I have to say, from what I've seen so far, they're on the right track. Set in the pre-TOS time period, Axanar tells the story of Captain Garth and the Four Years' War. Many well-known actors and designers have joined the production, and Alec is here today to update us on the exciting developments and the upcoming short, Prelude to Axanar. Hello, Alec. It's great to have you back with me once again to talk about Axanar. It's been a while since we talked. I understand a lot of really exciting stuff has happened since then, and I'm really looking forward to finding out more about that. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a couple months, and a lot has happened in that time. It has, which is why I said I have to get Alec on the show here to find out about the new developments because we recorded, I guess it was December, late December maybe? I think so. Last time. And you told me about some of the stuff that was going to be coming up, especially around March. And so I'm looking forward to hearing about that. Yeah. So um, I think the probably the biggest change, uh, the development since we last talked is that we're going full steam ahead with our short film, uh, Prelude to Axanar. And that is, um, as we were realizing that we needed to do the Kickstarter and how much we were going to need to raise, we realized that we really needed to have something to show people. Um, when Star Trek Renegades did their Kickstarter, very successful Kickstarter, um, all, they had a, a, a trailer with uh, Walter Koenig as, as, as Admiral Chekhov and Tim Russ as, as Tuvok. So that had a lot, a lot of legitimacy and people got it. And, and Renegades was able to raise ultimately $370,000 yeah. uh, on both a Kickstarter and Indiegogo combined. So we knew we needed a hook. We need something because we have a lot of everyone's very impressed with everything we're doing, but we haven't shown any video yet. So we decided to do a short film um, uh, rather than a trailer. And the short film is basically a History Channel special uh, that is going to tell the story of the, of the war that with the Klingons, the Four Years' War, up till the point of Axanar, our feature-length movie. So it'll serve as, as both a primer for it, so people can find out what's been going on, what's kind of what's the story up until now, and uh, and also serve as proof of concept for what are our filmmaking, what are we capable of doing in filmmaking, and uh, we're very proud to announce that we are going to be premiering this uh, uh, Prelude to Axanar May 29th through June 1st at FedCon in Germany, the biggest oh, wow. European sci-fi convention. Uh, okay, very soon. Uh, Dirk, the 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 uh, big the big man over there, the big cheese, uh, has graciously invited us over. Um, I, I have to thank Tobias Richter, our visual effects guru, for uh, facilitating that. And uh, ironically, uh, Tobias, well, Tobias, of course, is German. He lives in Cologne, twenty minutes away. He will be on the Axonar panel. We have two panels: one on Friday and Saturday. Uh, as well as David Gerald is a guest this year, and he is our story editor, as many people know. Mm -hmm. um, and so he will be on our panel, as well as Rob Burnett, who is our editor, who is celebrating the 20th anniversary of uh, Free Enterprise. So we have a great panel there. So Prelude to Axanar is going to be about 20 minutes, and it's going to feature Gary Graham as Saval, Richard Hatch as Karn, the Klingon uh, commander. Uh, J.G. Hertzler as uh, Sam Travis, uh, one of the, the Starfleet captains who fought in the battle. 
And Michael Hogan, who we are glad to announce, is has signed on board uh, Axnar. He will be appearing as Robert April, the first captain of the Enterprise. And basically, everyone is getting interviewed. This, uh, we, uh, if people have seen uh, on our website or on our Facebook page, we've come up with this the Starfleet Historical Society. It's kind of like a take on the National Geographic. I like the logo in the video that you guys did as well. It's like a very official special. Right. And, and Thomas Marone, who's, who's works for Star Trek Online, does uh, all our graphics like that. And he's done all, uh, most of our patches. And he came up with that. I was like, oh, that's genius. It's just like National Geographic, <laughs> right? It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. So the idea of Prelude to Axonar is it's this History Channel special on the, the war. Just like you okay. see a History Channel special on uh, the Battle of Midway or the Battle of Stalingrad or what, that Battle of the Bulge. And every one of the characters will be talking about the war and the, and the beginnings of the war and, and what it meant to each side and how it led to this big battle at Axanar. And uh, so it's something no one's ever done in Star Trek before. And I, we really think it's going to be uh, uh, really unique and interesting and Star Trek fans will love it. Because um, they get to see all these great actors um, talking uh, about uh, about the war. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the story because some Star Trek fans may be listening to this and going, Four Years' War, Axanar, you know, it, it sounds kind of familiar, but I don't remember much about that. So t- tell for those who didn't listen when I had you and Richard Hatch on Matterstream and don't know the background of the, the actual premise of this. Can you tell us just a little bit more about that aspect of it and where the seed of this of this came from? Sure. So Axanar is the story of Garth of Isar, the famous Starfleet captain who was Captain Kirk's hero and whose uh, exploits are required reading at the Academy. And the, the battle with the Klingons uh, at, at Axanar, um, the peace mission for which Captain Kirk received his first commendation as a new fledged cadet aboard the Republic. Um, and the, all of this um, really came from the third season episode of TOS, Whom Gods Destroy, which has this character, Garth of Izar, who in the episode is has been driven insane um, because he was injured. And and the uh, people of this planet, Antos IV, ta- taught him this process of cellular metamorphosis. Um, basically, they were a race of shapeshifters, and they taught him their secret which allowed him to heal his body. But in the process of healing his body, he, he went mad. Um, you know, humans weren't supposed to learn this secret. There's a reason it was Antosians who were shapeshifters. So he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's gone mad. And in the episode, he's the, this it's the episode is about this and it's about his recovery. And at the end he's redeemed and he's, he, he begins to recover. And I always love that episode. And uh, you see some, you really see this real small glimpse at a couple times of this brilliant starship commander who was Kirk's hero. And I always wanted to know more. And so that's what Axonar is all about. And uh, Axonar will be a feature length, 90 minutes or so movie that we produce later on this year. And uh, it will be about this big battle, the battle of Axonar. And in the episode, Whom Gods Destroy, it is hinted basically that this battle created the Federation. Um, Now we know that's not true. We know the Federation was formed in 2161. Um, So, what we posit is simply that this was this battle solidified the federation that there was that, that it, it kept it intact it was a major event and so a little a little spoiler here is we posit that by saying that the vulcans are withdrawing from from the federation the battle allows us to preserve the federation um so that's axonar and it's it's exciting because it's um it is a war story set in the star trek universe um, so you really, you, you, have probably seen, if you're a deep space nine fan, that's the closest you've really gotten to war stories. Cause there was a four year arc there right. about the war with the dominion and, um, myself, Christian Gossett, who's the director, uh, even David Gerald, we're all fans of military history. So we all have a real affinity for this, this, this project. And, uh, so Prelude to Axnar is, is, uh, is, is our first step along the, this line. And, and as part of that, the first step in Prelude to Axnar was putting together the uh, Kickstarter video, which everyone can see mm-hmm. uh, if they've got, uh, gone to Kickstarter and search Axnar, A-X-A-N-A-R, uh, or they follow our Facebook page. Um, we put together a video that we're very proud of. That was our first effort. Uh, that was uh, really the first effort with our camera crew and, our, and, 
and uh, the team, and then putting that together, editing it, get Tobias to add special effects. So that was our first little baby step. Incredibly successful. People are raving about it. And uh, uh, even the actors. It's fun to have Gary Graham and J.G. Hersler watch that video and say, you guys are pros. That was impressive. You know, it's yeah. it, it, what greater compliment coming from actors you admire. Well, talking about the battle scenes in that video, we, we see quite a bit and it's it's really astonishing. I mean, the visuals, the Klingon battle cruisers are just absolutely gorgeous. And you mentioned Tobias Richter is doing that. Tobias is absolutely brilliant. And for anyone listening who doesn't recognize Tobias's name for some reason, you definitely know his work. I mean, it's absolutely, it's everywhere in Star Trek and it's gorgeous. How much of that battle is done? Were those just some clips that were done for that trailer or do you actually have most of that battle put together already? No, those were clips specifically done for the trailer. Tobias did all the, there's basically three main clips you see there. There's the mm-hmm. one clip where you see the two Klingon ships, and it's it's very TMP in that you get to they approach mm-hmm. and then you circle over them and see them down the spine. It was that was you know an homage to TMP. There's the then there's that great scene where you see the the saucer of the Korolev come at you in, in a very kind of almost a, uh, uh, vertically coming down, and then it uh-huh. rotates and you see the three different classes of ships: the cruiser, the destroyer, and the carrier. And then the third piece is the USS Ares chasing the Klingon D6 through the asteroid field. And I should mention that all of those have amazing sound design by Mark Edward Lewis, our post-production supervisor, which is really important. And we have even have a series of videos on how he did that, which have been really popular. So, um, so yeah, those were done specifically for this video. Um, and as is everything, there are tests run. In, Tobias is already working on the video for Prelude to Axonar. And we're excited to see what what he comes up with. It's 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 really breathtaking. You mentioned that it's it's kind of like TMP, but I have to say it's far more beautiful than anything in the motion picture. I'm just imagining watching TMP, but done by you guys. Thank you. And and Tobias Richter is the best. He is uh, you know he does all the Star Trek Phase Two special effects, and uh, with all due respect to the other fan films out there. Tobias is the best. He can do, he can compete toe to toe with anyone in Hollywood, and um, he loves Star Trek. Um, as I as I've told before, when he first read the script for Axanar two years ago, uh, he read it in, in the morning. I gave it to him in the morning. He read it at by lunchtime. He comes up to me on location. We were shooting Phase Two, and he and he says, "I read your script," and he goes, "I like it. It's Starship porn." <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> and it, it, I was like, yeah, it pretty much is. Uh, we're all ge- ge- you know geeks about it. So he loves it and he lives it. And it, you know, he he um, he's so wonderful to work with. We we're also parallel developing a book called The Ships of Axanar, which will be like the old oh, Ships cool. of the Starfleet book. Uh-huh. And so I, we have a small team that was put put together who, who's who's doing this book, which includes Tobias, obviously, as the graphics lead, and uh, Sean Torren goes on that, and, and Ben Rothy and Alex Rosenweig, and um, and Thomas Marone uh, from Star Trek Online, and we're all working on this book together, and it's just a total passion project. It's like we're geeks for ships, we want to see the blueprints, we want to see all this great stuff, and so we're building a book that's much like those old ships of the Starfleet books. And it's going to be part of, uh, uh, we will either do, uh, we're thinking it's going to be part of the Kickstarter, the main Kickstarter as a stretch goal bonus. So, um, yeah. Is it going to be a printed book or is it going to be It will be a printed book because I want a printed book. That's very cool. And there'll be a very special limited, uh, you know, 100 copies, leather bound edition, slipcase like that. And then the rest will be just a a more, uh, a a standard hardback. But it will be as good as anything that you've seen, uh, you know, printed by uh, Pocketbook. Those leather copies are going to be autographed by Garth Vizar, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> those copies, if we get this done on time, we'll have you know the whole cast signing those copies. Yeah, uh, and cool. uh, well, I'm a book collector as well, so I, yeah. I love stuff like that. Well, let's talk about the cast a little bit more and the people that are in there. Now, you mentioned that one of the ways that that you guys are setting the story into motion is the idea that the Vulcans are leaving the Federation. And you have to hold the Federation together in the middle of this conflict with the Klingons. And so Gary Graham, who Enterprise fans know as Saval, is going to be reprising actually the same role Saval in XNR, correct? Yes. And uh, it was great. We had two weeks ago, Christian and I had dinner with Gary. 
uh, right around the corner. And uh, he's such a great guy, such a passionate actor. And uh, he's so much like Richard Hatch in that, in that regard. And um, so we, you know, we talked about it and Gary said that he's really happy to be able to get back into that role because he wants to bring some closure to that role. And we talked mm -hmm. about um, the, the scene in the beginning of The Forge. I, I tell you, here was what a, what a great pleasure. If you watch that, the, the opening of The Forge, the, the, uh, that fourth season episode, there's that great scene between Gary and Vaughn Armstrong, between Saval and Admiral Gardner, where uh, Saval's trying to explain why the Vulcans are, are so confounded by humans. And he says, "You're stubborn as Tellarites, and as 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 you know, as passionate as Andorians, and then you embrace logic, and and we, we just, you know, don't know what to make of you." And and Gardner looks at him, and uh, and says, "Ambassador, are Vulcans scared of humans?" And and Gary Graham, he's got this great look, and he says it all in a look. And, and Gary says, "You do remind us of one race." And he looks at, at Gardner, and and Gardner's confused, and he's thinking, "Who who do we remind?" them of and then he realizes vulcans and and mm -hmm. and saval's like yeah you remind us of ourselves a thousand years ago and uh whereas it took us a thousand years to recover from our infancy and our wars you did it in a century and that scene is just so amazing and and it tells you everything about the Saval character over four years of Enterprise has come to embrace humans as as, as partners, and um, and it it it's it really I so it was such a pleasure for me to res I basically recited that scene to Gary, and Gary's nodding all the time and smiling, and it was such so much <laughs> fun to share that with Gary, and that look I was you know it was me geeking out. It's like Gary, I love I love you doing Saval in the scene, and he loved it, and uh, and so in Axonar we pick up that thread he's got to deliver the news to his, to the admiral that the vulcans are probably going to pull out of the federation and he doesn't want to and that's really tough for him and you're not quite sure what to make of that um and then there's another scene later which i won't spoil but um so he's got a nice it's a small but really cool role and uh and the one nice thing is we got Brad Look, who was the makeup artist that handled all of his of, of Gary's makeup during Enterprise, to come back and do Mary, Gary's makeup again. So oh, when cool. we told Gary that, Gary was thrilled because uh, he knew he was going to be in good hands. He knew he was going to be taken care of. And actors always, you know, you always have to protect your actors because they want to look. Listen, they want to look good on screen. I I get that. I I so so that was a lot of fun. So that's Gary. And then, uh, I, you know, you all know Richard Hatch from Battlestar Galactica, who's playing Commander Karn. Um, actually, he is, was my first acting coach 20 years ago, and I'm in acting class with him now, right right around the corner here. And uh, so is and Christian Gossett has joined that class as well. And what's fun is that uh, Richard has really made that class an acting workshop for Axnor. Uh, we did our, we've done a couple, we read the we did a cold reading of the prelude to Axonar script in class and everyone loved it richard was blown away by it it was the first time he heard it and uh last week we did a scene uh i did a scene with a, another actor um uh, obviously me playing garth and 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 she was playing corax with one of the female leads which was wonderful and um and even and we even asked gary said hey gary would you come in and do your scenes with us and and, and he was like oh my god i'd love to do that so it's his Richard's class is becoming this acting workshop for Axonar. That's we're going to be auditioning people in that class and bringing people in to try different things. And it's a wonderful, wonderful process. And certainly something that productions like this never get to do. It's interesting that you also have JG Hertzler and he is best known for playing a Klingon general Martok on deep space nine, but Richard is playing the Klingon here. And JG is playing a human. What can you tell us about what JG is doing? Right. So I wanted to go a cast differently than what we're used to. I didn't want to see Richard was the first casting since he's my, been my friend for 20 years and my acting coach. So Richard, I said, look, Richard, I don't, I, everyone knows you from Battlestar Galactica. I want you to be a Klingon because I wanted to put him in Klingon makeup. And, uh, he loved that idea. And then with JG, it was the opposite. I was like, JG, I don't want you to play a Klingon. I want you to play a Federation captain. And, um, 
and he liked that idea and he wants to uh and and his vision of of starfleet captains was like mine in that you know in our in action are all the federation captains they kick butt they're they're all it's the end of the war it's like um you know you think of the end of world war ii you had eisenhower and bradley and Patton. i mean these are your guys so they're all ass kickers and but they're all very different so in axonar we have very different you know captains and and sam travis is one of them but sam travis is probably much more like a, a general bradley he's a soldier soldier he's in, and any and, and um so i'm excited we um as we did with Richard, when, when we first got Richard to play Karn, there were like eight lines for Karn. I mean, there was hardly anything. But over the next past year, we've, we've, we've had meetings and we've talked about Karn and what our vision for him was. And we've been able to evolve the script and develop this character with Richard in mind. And we're doing the same thing with JG. Um, Sam Travis is, is slowly developing into uh, an interesting character. And then there's also a female captain, uh, Sonia Alexander, and she's like Patton. She's just the hotshot, you know, it's starship captain. And we're hoping to cast Kate Vernon in, the, in that role, another Battlestar alum. But she, Kate's, mm-hmm. I know Kate can pull off that like cocky, just really arrogant, in a good way, badass captain. So, yeah. And then... Um, and then, of course, Michael Hogan, who was Colonel Ty in Battlestar Galactica, who I loved in that show. Uh, I had from day one, he's been my choice to play Robert April. I've never envisioned anyone else. His, his, originally, his agent said, ah, we're not going to be able to fit this into my schedule. And I, I just kept on Michael and I cornered him at Kamikaze, this Comic-Con in L.A. and said, I'll do whatever it takes to get you to play this role. And I know him. I've known him for because he was a guest at the Battlestar Galactica auctions I held. And... Uh, he said, okay. He said, what? Yeah. And then I talked to his agent. His agent was happy with the financials and knew I was going to take care of Michael, flying Michael's wife down. Um, as many people know in the stories, um, Ryder April's wife was his chief medical officer. It just so happens that Michael's wife, Michael Hogan's wife, Susan Hogan, is an actress. She was the chief judge in the trial of Baltar and Battlestar Galactica. And, uh, okay. and I said to Michael, I said, you know, Sarah April, Chief Medical Officer of Enterprise, you know, wife of Robert April. I said, your wife, would your wife be interested? In, and he was like, oh, my God, she'd love to do that. That'd be awesome. So <laughs> yeah. so we're now writing Sarah April into this. We've written her in already, yeah. and it's a, couple, it's a small part, it's, but it's kind of cool, and it's, she's got a couple of cute lines, and, and um, I'm just happy that we can, you know, we'll bring Susan down with Michael. And, and, and so, it'll, you know, again, always take care of your actors. It's it's good for to, for them to act work together. That's very very interesting, and um, it's good to see Robert April coming back into the story because he's he's one of those characters who everyone knows about. You Star Trek fans know his name, but you know the knowledge of him is fairly limited. But but he's been a popular thing in the Abrams verse. Also, you know they they dipped into Robert April in the Countdown to Darkness comics to help set right. up the film as well. Right, right, right. Yep. No, I, I saw that. And uh, I know there's another fan film project that's, you know, that deals with Robert April uh, mm-hmm. and stuff. But uh, so I think, yeah, I think people are um, interested in mining, you know, the the prime timeline. And, and we've gotten such great feedback about the time that we're setting this. People love the mm-hmm. fact that we're going backwards 20 years from TOS because, we, listen, there's Everyone does things that are, are all in the TOS timeline. You know, if you look at all the all the fan films, you know you've got two of them are about the Enterprise and one of them is about the Farrakhan. It's all you know a little incestuous after a while, and and so people are really excited that we're doing something totally different in a totally different time period. It's not TNG, it's not TOS, and which also gives us a lot of freedom to design the way we want and to you know do everything we want to do. Yeah, I, I, there are a lot of fans out there uh, like me who want to have those blanks filled in. I enjoy getting more stories about Kirk and Spock and the Enterprise, but I also enjoy finding out what happened in those gaps that we don't know much about. It's one reason I love Enterprise so much, but there are so many little nooks and crannies of the timeline that are just a great mystery. And some of them have been filled in through the novels, but it's always fun to see them played out on screen. 
Yeah, and that's exactly that's exactly how we feel about it. I mean, I I, I loved the novel Final Frontier by Diane Duane, or uh, 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 you know, there was there's so many novels like that that filled in time periods that you didn't, you know, Enterprise the fir- the first voyage, right? They fill in the gaps. And um, I, I think that's fun. I think it's, I mean, we love it because we're exploring characters that no one else has explored. You know, what was Garth like at the height of his career? Why was he the role model for a whole generation of Starfleet captains? What was Robert April like? You know, it, it's, it's fun. It's, it's just so much fun to do, to, to do that. Now, have you resisted the urge of working one of A-Rex's relatives into the story? Because everyone <laughs> likes to put A-Rex in a story. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, our attitude, what we came up with, we really, um, as as many people know, Robert Burnett, who is the writer, director of Free Enterprise, and who mm-hmm. is the producer of all the Star Trek Blu-rays um, for Next Generation and Enterprise, is uh, one of my very good friends, and he's our editor. And so between the two of us, we had lunch today at our favorite sushi place. We have lunch two or three times a week. Between the two of us, there are no two greater Star Trek geeks in, in the galaxy. I mean, we talk about all the, uh, you know, just bizarre stuff. And um, so we hash out everything. So not, there's nothing casually, there are no casual decisions about the Star Trek universe. Everything gets, well, should the nacelles be this long or that long? Or, or, and should they be bigger than the Enterprise or smaller? And is technology, how is, is it shrinking stuff or is it lo- whatever? Everything gets, gets its due. And uh, I think that's very important because fans like that, right? And fans want to know that that you have that passion and you've given that thought to whatever it is that you're taking care of in their galaxy. And so, um, so we give that kind of attention to everything. So as far as Eric's goes, <laughs> our attitude is that there is a reason in – TOS that you never saw any aliens uh, on the Enterprise. Spock's half alien. That's about it. That's it. You never saw a different alien. Why is that? Why was there a whole ship, the USS Intrepid, that got destroyed in the immunity syndrome that was all Vulcans? So it informs us that the ships were all segregated at this point. It's only 84 years into the, the, the existence of the Federation when our right. story takes place. And we're, we're saying, and so all the ships were a standard design. That's how the Federation got powerful quickly. All that everyone put in and created a standard ship that had all the benefits of all the different races. But every ship had its own crew. So there were Earth crews, there were Andorian crews, there were Tellarite crews, there were Vulcan crews. You will see an Andorian crew in Axanar. All Andorians. Oh, cool! And uh, and it, and the makeup is being done by um, the guys over at Makeup Effects Lab, who actually did the Andorian makeup for Enterprise. Oh, uh, excellent! So yes, you will see moving antennas, um, and and that's how we we that's what we posit. We say it makes sense that at this point they don't all we know it's from from TOS. They're not integrated, so our crews are not integrated and and we make a point of that we don't avoid it we make a point of it and in prelude to axonar they talk about that and you will see that that one of the characters will tell you um what a what a benefit that was to the federation that they had segregated crews so the klingons never knew who they were fighting were they fighting Tellarites who had one fighting style? Were they fighting Andorians who had another fighting style or Vulcans or humans? So that was a huge advantage in the war to the Federation. That's really, really interesting. Now, I've read Christopher L. Bennett has been writing some. The second book is going to be coming out here just very shortly, Rise of the Federation. And in the first book in that series, the the only one that's been released at the, as the, the time we're recording right here, he does go into a similar thing about how the different groups, the Tellarites, the Andorians, and the humans, and all came together and started to merge their technology into the starship design. And so this is a really interesting angle that you guys have, that it was a way of keeping the Klingons kind of off balance a little bit in the war. Interesting. Yeah, I think, well, you know, also, um, I think thinking about these things and thinking about um, how the Federation would fight a war um, is important. 
you know, from time to time I get people saying, oh, well, Gene Roddenberry didn't believe that, you know, in the military aspect of Starfleet. Yeah, tough. Yeah, I hear that a lot too. Uh, yeah, in a war, there is war, and the future isn't all happy, happy, joy, joy. You know, uh, oh, we don't have money because we're so enlightened. You know, hey, I get it, Gene. Families on the Enterprise. Well, that's a hundred years later. At this time, it's the frontier, it's the Wild West, and you're fighting. You know, you're fighting mad aliens. You know, in 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 your wagon train. So, um, I, I I think that we, we thus have to explore. What does that mean to Starfleet and to the Federation to fight a war that's about its preservation only 84 years after it was founded? Well, you mentioned money, and we've been talking about the makeup work. We've been talking about the incredible visuals that Tobias Richter has done. And you just mentioned that the Andorian antenna are going to be done by the same guys who did it on Enterprise you guys had a Kickstarter. We talked about it some last time we talked when I had you and Richard on. And that was going well. And now Prelude to XNR is fully funded. You blew past your stretch goal in three days. But still, the amount of money that we're talking about here through the Kickstarter, how are you guys doing everything that I'm seeing with that small amount of money? Uh, very carefully. <laughs> we're... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we we have meticulous budgets, um, and and right now no one's making any. You know, we're not paying anyone right now. Uh, uh, Tobias is working for free right now. Everyone's working for free. Once we get to Prelude, we have to pay certain you know certain people, and we're trying to be very. Um, we really want to pay everyone because you know, uh, except you know ourselves, we, we do it because we love doing it. But you know, you start building a film crew, and you build a crew of twenty, thirty people. And uh, people work for a living, and 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 I think it's incumbent upon us to um, to to pay the people and make sure no one's coming out of pocket. At the very least, no one's paying their own money to make this. So what we did was um, we we decided to do a Kickstarter for Prelude to Axonar, because once we came up with the idea for Prelude to Axonar, I sat down and started doing a budget. I'm like, this is going to cost us fifteen grand at least. So we need to do a Kickstarter. And hey, isn't that great? We do a Kickstarter and raise 15 grand. That That's how we start, right? And and again, this stair-step approach, do the video, Kickstarter video, do the Prelude to Axonar, do Axonar. We're just trying to take it a little by little and do it the right way. And so we set a goal, you know, the base goal, meaning you always have to set a base goal with Kickstarter, which right. we set at $10,000. We're like, okay, $10,000. Uh, Tobias was like, "Oh, if you only raise, if you don't raise enough money, you can pay me later on in the main Kickstarter." So we're like, "Okay, we could we could fudge that a little." And I've got five thousand of my own money; I'll throw that in. And we were like trying to, if we had ten thousand dollars, we could do it. Well, we made ten thousand dollars in the first seven hours, and we had two yeah, stretch amazing. goals, fifteen and twenty. Mm -hmm. I was like, "Oh man, if we made twenty, we'd be really cooking." Well, we made twenty in the first. The fifteen thousand dollar goal we beat in within the, the first 24 hours, I think it was the first 33 hours. And then we hit our $20,000 stretch goal within the first three days. And then we started, you know, thinking, okay, this isn't as bad as we thought it would be. The, the let's, and then we figured out what do we really need to do this the right way? All right, $20,000. We felt pretty good about that number as the top end. And well, in order to get that money, you really need to raise almost 30 from Kickstarter. 28,500 was was the number we said because Kickstarter takes 5% then you have to pay another 5% to Amazon for payment processing and then you have to pay for all your perks which is always at least 10%. We budgeted that mm -hmm. very tightly. And then and then there's always like a 10-15% dropout rate. So we figured $30,000 we're going to get our 20. And then what if we have more? So and then we hit that goal really fast. We're like, "Damn." So we set 40 and $50,000 stretch goals and what we did was we told people, "Okay, the money we raise between thirty and forty thousand dollars is going to go towards building the infrastructure of the production company. That's the production insurance. That's the legal paperwork to set up the production company. It's going to take care of the things that really put us on solid footing as a production company. And then the next ten thousand dollars between forty and fifty, which is where we're net or now, that'll go towards the Starfleet costumes, which we knew the initial run of costumes, just the tunics, without even the undershirts or the pants or boots or anything, was seven thousand dollars. So we needed mm -hmm. ten thousand for that. So 
we've been very honest with all the people um, that, uh, in our updates on our Kickstarter and our Facebook page. Here's exactly where your money is going. And we wanted there to be transparency and accountability because I personally think the biggest problem with Kickstarter is there's zero accountability. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, mm-hmm. People raise lots of money and then you never know. Well, where, then they come back to you for more and you're like, wait a second. You just told me I, you only need this much. Now you need more. Uh, we, we have enormous respect for our fans. And you know, if you want to be in this business long term, you have to show a way of doing business. And for us, that is. We're going to very clearly budget it. Everyone's going to know what the budget is. Everyone's going to know where the money's going. And we're um, going to, uh, at the same time, make, you know, our, we think our perks are the best in, in the business and give people what they want. Our stretch goals, you know, we're, we hit our stretch goals and everyone got, uh, uh, everyone got an extra patch um, for free. And we just, the $40,000 goal was you got a vinyl sticker, of the Starfleet historical the, the society. Um, uh-huh. so when we hit these stretch goals, we give everyone a little bonus. So it's kind of, you know, we're encouraging people to share, uh, this Kickstarter and help drive the, the numbers. So we want everyone to have a great experience. We really, we want everyone to be really happy about this. And so far, when you read our Facebook page and you read the Kickstarter page, everyone is just out of their mind, happy about what we're doing. What was the total amount that you raised? Um, well, uh, as of right now, uh, when we're recording this, um, mm-hmm. we have uh, we've raised uh, just under forty four thousand dollars. We have a th- mm-hmm. over a thousand backers at this point, and we still have thirteen days to go. Well, let me ask you: Have you been surprised by the level of interest and support that you've received from the fan community? Because at least prior to the J.J. Abrams reboot, you know, the media loved to talk about how Star Trek was dying, and maybe it's the end of Star Trek. And you know, you guys are producing stuff twenty years before TOS era. These are fans of the original series and of Star Trek in general coming out to support you guys. Were you surprised that you hit those goals so quickly and that there's so much pent-up interest in this out there amongst the fans? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I was. I mean, I, I did a lot of research before we launched our Kickstarter. I mean, I have a spreadsheet that shows you every level for the Kickstarters of Star Trek Continues and Star Trek Renegades and, and as well as Star Trek Renegades Indiegogo because they've done two campaigns. Mm-hmm. so far and uh, i analyzed what were the perks at every level how much did how many people donated what le- amounts um and then and and so I, I had enormous amounts of data that we worked with right off the bat and then um i talked with a lot of people who had done kickstarters and I tried to understand what it was uh, we actually delayed our kickstarter for 10 days just so we could start m- ramping up the marketing um so we really learned a lot before we launched our Kickstarter. I mean, there's Kickstarters. You can go on and see uh, failed Kickstarters, failed Indiegogo campaigns. Um, and, you know, people think, oh, you just put it up and people donate money. No, that's not it. You know, we had 20,000 users on our Facebook page, um, 20,000 likes on our Facebook page before we launched our, our, our Kickstarter. Um, and we've mm-hmm. been cultivating those, those users for a while. So you, you, you really have to do your homework. You have to approach it like a business. That's what I did. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years and this is, I, uh, you know, I approach this just like I would any business. I had a business plan for our Kickstarter and, um, it's fortunately it's worked out very well and, uh, we're excited and excited to deliver the, you know, the movie and, and the perks and everything, uh, to our fans and, and making them happy is so important because, Making them happy means we've done our job, and doing your job well is should be important to to everyone. Absolutely. Well, we talked up front a little bit about Prelude to Axanar and what that's going to be about, and the story of Axanar itself. What are the next steps for you in terms of production? Now, you talked about when Prelude to Axanar is going to be released. But in terms of of shooting, like when you guys are going to be getting together on the sets to do that, and also one Axanar itself, you said it's a ninety minute. It's basically a movie. You know, we we kind of think of these independent productions right now as being. I mean, they're kind of like mini movies because 
they don't come out every week like we would be accustomed to with a TV show. But often format-wise, they're the length of a normal episode. So do you do you envision XNR as being a series with multiple 90-minute installments, or is it really a movie event? So Axonar itself is a movie. It's 90 minutes. It tells the story of the Battle of Axonar. It's the end of the war. It ends with the peace conference. Um, I know, spoiler alert, it ends with the peace conference. Um, It it is self-contained. It is a self-contained story. My goal has always been to tell this story. And um, I don't have um, plans to make it a series. Um, but people keep asking me, oh, you need to make this a series. And, 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 you know, we love it. Go, go back and tell the stories of the battles of the war or whatever, or tell what happens afterwards or maybe, you know, and, and it's really interesting. Well, I haven't thought that way. I'm, I'm flattered when people haven't even seen what we're doing and already want more. That's very flattering. Um, but, uh, it, We'll see where it goes. Um, the other opportunity is if people really dig Michael Hogan as Robert April, well, maybe we go in that direction. Maybe we start telling their stories of the early voyages of the Enterprise with Robert April. Um, mm-hmm. There's a mm-hmm. lot of possibilities. I will tell you that um, we now have access to a, a very large facility in Valencia, California, 25 minutes north of uh, Universal Studios um, because of a consulting uh, gig that I have. Uh, that I'm working with, and uh, the guys there are Star Trek, love Star Trek, and uh, they're they're building museum exhibits, and we're uh, I, I can't tell you what it is now, but it is it is a very big licensed superhero property that you uh, all know and love, and it'll be premiering in New York uh, May 23rd, and uh, they've already said that they want us to shoot Axonar in the facility. It's a 45,000 square square foot warehouse, about 5,000 square feet of office space. And it's just the perfect place to shoot. Well, the nice thing is that the construction foreman worked on Star Trek for 15 years for Herman Zimmerman. And also was the guy in charge of building Mm -hmm. the bridges for, for a JJ Trek. He did the Kelvin bridge, the Kobayashi Maru, and he did the, the Star Trek bridge and the enterprise bridge in into darkness pulled it out of storage, refurbished it. And these are the, and these, and, um, and uh, his right-hand man uh, was one of the guys building the shield helicarrier bridge uh, in Avengers. So, um, and these guys want to work on our Star Trek project. So we have this great facility. We have just um, great passionate people who want to do it. We're going to be building all these sets out here in California. Originally we were going to use the Star Trek phase two sets back in New York because I'm good friends with them and I've produced, you know, phase two episodes and I'm good friends with James Cawley who really helped get Axonar off the, off the, off the, uh, on the road, I should say. And so we're going to build all those sets out here. And the idea is to build a full size bridge that can convert from a TOS bridge to an Ar- USS Ares bridge, which is Garth's ship in Axonar. There's differences between the two bridges, obviously, but we want it swappable so we can shoot them both and then have it as a permanent set out here. Uh, as well as all the other sets we'll need, corridors, captain's quarters, briefing room, transporter room, turbo lift, the works. And uh, then what we want to do is we, uh, I was, Rob Burnett and I were talking about it today. We really want to set up, um, uh, well, I really shouldn't say that, this until we get it set, but we, we want to do things that will uh, allow Star Trek fans to have access to the, to, to the bridge and to work with oh, us on this cool. thing so uh-huh. uh, some very some great ideas that we need to get um, get down on paper and, and and get through cbs so we're excited about that so yeah we listen we love star trek we love making star trek films and we love sharing them uh with the public i i, I can't wait to star trek vegas con to share action our you know whatever we've done uh with the fans there and FedCon germany i am so excited to go over there and, and premiere uh prelude to Axonar because european fans just they're nuts. And tell us again, when are the dates of FedCon Germany? May 29th to June 1st. So you guys are going to be feverishly producing Prelude to Axanar in the coming months. Right. So we shoot May 4th. Uh, sa- Sunday, May 4th is when we shoot the captains. And uh, then we shoot the aliens, uh, Richard Hatches, Karn, Gary Grimace of all on Thursday, May 8th. And then we... We're in post right off the bat, uh, and uh, we are we'll have it all done before we get on the plane for Germany. Wow, very very exciting! So, if Star Trek fans want to support the project or want to get involved, one more time, where's the best place for them to go? Go to Kickstarter. Um, 
Star Trek Axanar, A-X-A-N-A-R. You can just punch it into the Kickstarter search box and you'll find us. You can find us on uh, Facebook, Star Trek Axanar, and uh, StarTrekAxanar.com on the web. Our YouTube, just search Axanar on YouTube. Yeah, we're all over the place. And Twitter, Star Trek Axanar. Um, so, You're yeah, everywhere. Did, You're like the Jeffrey Combs of independent Star Trek productions. Yeah, we're in everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I love Jeffrey Combs. I got to find out a role for him in Axanar because he's so awesome. Well, he can play anything. Uh, so. that's, that's true. <laughs> I, yeah, that's true. We were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. Someone said, make him like the son of Shran or something. I said, oh, that's a little much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Alec, thanks once again for taking some time to talk to me tonight. It's, it's really exciting, and I, I really love what I'm seeing so far, and I, I cannot wait to see Prelude Axanar first and especially the, the full movie. Well, thank you so much for having me. We'll have to do this again as we, once we're done with Prelude to Axnar. Oh, most definitely. Thanks. Well, it was wonderful to have Alec back with me today to talk about Axnar once again. If you did not catch the first time he was on with me on the network, along with Richard Hatch from Battlestar Galactica, that's on Matterstream, and you can find that at trek.afilm slash ms21. The episode is called The Reluctant Warrior, and you get to hear a lot from Richard on there as well about how he decided to get involved with Axanar and why the story connects with him. So go check that out and go over to StarTrekAxanar.com. Watch the trailers they have there. You will be really, really impressed. And the visuals that Tobias Richter has put together are stunning. Uh, you, you will be very surprised. So go check it out. And as much fun as it has been to talk about Axanar, it's not the only thing we've been talking about on the network this week. So here are some other things you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. A lot time commentary. He's got I love his room with yeah. the weird lights and... Well, he he shops at Spencer's. Yeah, whatever that is. Oh, poor Colin. Oh, that joke will kill in America. Earl Grey. Jordy LaForge. They're, you know, Sherlock and Watson flying in the face of copyright laws that they didn't realize <laughs> at the time. <laughs> the Ready Room. Emergence. The entire scene that Picard and Beverly have is about one-upping each other with pointless <laughs> trivia about the yeah. Orient Express that they each have. Well, did you know? Well, Beverly, I knew that, but did you know this? And it's like, <laughs> I'm like what is the point of the scene? I don't... The Orb. Trail on trial. There are motifs that carry through, like right. her and, hands behind her back. Right, exactly. Example. And that's where I think you get the variation on a the theme. You know, it's not a new song. It's not even a new verse. It's a reordering of notes to create something different and yet similar. To the journey! Costumes on Voyager. Take that, Enterprise D. That's right. You think your mind was blown in 87. Just wait until you see it in 97. <laughs> Warp 5. TOS Impressions of Seasons 1 and 2. Once I actually started watching it, I began to understand that it was about our future leading into TOS. It's more of a sequel for us than it is a prequel for TOS. Commentary, Trek Stars. The X-Files, Small Potatoes. When I got to this episode, I got excited. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is one of the ones that I continually find more things to like about it. Melodic Treks. The music of unlocked time. Yeah, we can do a Muppets podcast, too. I mean, at this point, we might as well, right? Right. I mean, we're doing every other show. <laughs> Literary Treks. The Return of the Serpent. So they all shoot the dinosaur, and then they look back, and they the Klingon... to shoot the dinosaur. And then the Klingon's like, no, I can't do it. I don't want to shoot him. I can't. If I do it, then I'll turn into one of those Klingons that I don't like. You mean one of the Klingons that's helpful? And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all of these shows and get your daily Trek Talk fix. We have new Trek Talk for you every day of the week. And some days we even have two shows and you'll find them in a variety of places, including on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune, or you can download or stream from our website. So go grab some shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe. 
If you'd like to send us a message, send us some feedback on Axonar or anything else that we've talked about here on the network, you can do that by going to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send to a show and choose continuing mission, and that will come to us by email. You can also send us a voicemail through the website, or you can go to our forums at trek.fm slash forums to talk to us and other listeners about Axonar, about Star Trek independent productions and fan films, or anything about Star Trek. If social media is your thing, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm, and you'll find us on Twitter where we're always tweeting away about Star Trek under username trekfm, and we would love to talk to you there as well. If you'd like to find me, you can find me on Twitter also. My username is C Brian Jones. That's the letter C and Brian with a Y. And you can find me pretty much everywhere in social media under that same username, as well as on my personal website at cbrianjones.com, which is mostly not about Star Trek. And elsewhere on the network, you'll find me on quite a few shows. You'll find me on Literary Treks with Matthew Rushing, where we talk about Star Trek books and comics, and we interview authors. You can find Matthew and me on The Orb, where we talk exclusively about Deep Space Nine. You'll also find me on Warp 5, which is exclusively about Enterprise. And then I have another interview show called Matter Stream, which is more about science and social issues and uh, some creative as well, things that are loosely connected to Star Trek or are inspired by Star Trek. And I have scientists and, and actors and other creatives on there as well. And then I host The Ready Room every week along with other hosts from all across the network, from all of our different shows, as well as special guests. And we talk about Star Trek news and all five live action series on there as well. Before I let you go, I'd like to tell you about our sponsor for today's show, and that is Audible.com. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks. They have more than 150,000 titles for you to choose from. They have new titles coming every week, hundreds of new titles, in fact. And they have classics, they have current bestsellers, new releases, lots of Star Trek books as well, some of my favorites like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World. And as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice just for trying Audible. If you go over to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up, you can choose any book you want. And there's nothing to lose because if at the end of that trial you decide not to stick with Audible, you get to keep that book. So go try it out. You're going to love it. I've been an Audible listener myself for 14 years. I could not imagine not having Audible around. And if you love podcasts, you're going to love audiobooks as well. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And your support of Audible helps us keep continuing mission and all of our shows coming to us every week as Audible supports the network and helps us cover the costs of production storage and bandwidth. And we really thank them for that. Thanks once again, everyone, for joining me today. And tune in again next time on this continuing mission. And let's see what's out there.